0: Welcome to Harvest Birth Stories, where we support mamas pre, post, and during birth. My name is Sophie Grace, and I will be your host for this podcast. We want to share empowering birth stories across the United States and beyond, and encourage mothers all around the world to feel proud and empowered by any story that they may have experienced. Let's get into the podcast. Thank you for listening. We are having Ashley on the podcast, so if you want to introduce yourself and give us a little backstory of what you do and who you have at home, that would be fantastic.
1: Yeah, thank you, Sophie. Um, my name is Ashley Riley. I'm a, a sports and pelvic physical therapist. Um, I'm a mom of two kiddos. We have a five-year-old little boy and a three-year-old little girl. Um I'm a coach's wife who runs the house pretty much um, independently um, as my husband has some wild and crazy hours. And um, mostly I just, you know, I love to learn and like explore things related to health and fitness and aging and across the lifespan. So um, a lot of the things that I do um, just revolve around moving our bodies and what we eat and how our body works and, like, just um, the transitions through life. Um, And I think my career is sort of, like, (laughs) a little display of that. Um, You know, I was an athlete all my life, and um, then I became a wife and got pregnant and went through um, the transition of motherhood and all of that stuff. And so my career has really sort of, like, followed me through a lot of that. And so what I do now is like a combination of working with athletes, working with female athletes, working with women in pregnancy and postpartum and just um, helping them through their journeys and navigating some of the areas where maybe they need education or guidance. And um, just, yeah, it's really
0: fun. And that's what I love to do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley was my... Uh, physical therapist for um, my pregnancy. So we got to know each other pretty well for what, nine months?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And then, you know, of course, afterwards and through um, postpartum, too, I mean, where our sessions look different depending on which stage you were in. But yeah, absolutely. That was how we met. And that was really fun.
0: And I'm glad our friendship continues. Yeah, I'm just sad you're not here anymore. <laughs> and you're like me too (laughs) um so let's kind of maybe dive into your first pregnancy and kind of maybe how you decided or maybe you didn't decide that you wanted to have children and how that all went yeah
1: um so interestingly my husband and I um we dated when we lived in the same city, but our jobs took us separate places. So we were like engaged and got married in different States. Mm. So we were like separate for six or seven months of our, of our marriage or the first six or seven months of our marriage. So, um, (laughs) We knew, well, we didn't really know. I knew myself that I wanted to start having kids right away. Um, John was not as eager to start. But (laughs) when we decided we wanted to start having a family, it was really interesting because we did live in different cities and um, we were like an eight-hour drive apart. So I really dove into like tracking my cycle and learning a lot more about my cycle. I, I mean, I always had tracked my cycle before as far as like writing it down on a calendar and knowing like how many days my cycle was and just being familiar with when it was going to show up. But I wasn't like knowledgeable and figuring out when I was ovulating or like what ovulation was and all this stuff. So I went into like massive research mode and um, kind of, went really extreme with it. I downloaded the apps and I was like tracking every single symptom that you could possibly (laughs) have. And I was like doing basal body temperatures and stuff. And so it was weird, but, um, we did like several times tried to travel to to one another, whether he came to me or I went to him like during ovulation (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, like, tried to, you know, sort of get pregnant that way, which was um, looking back on it, no, it was very stressful. And it was, like, consuming my everything about my day and my b- brain and yeah. my life. And so it wasn't a very smooth start to conception. Uh-huh. Um, but we did. Yeah, we did that. That's how it went. We did get pregnant in, like, November of that year. So it was like maybe five months into it. um, And we were still living apart. Um, And like right when I moved down to be with John, um, we miscarried that pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So that was the start of my conception journey. It was very mentally stressful and emotionally kind of traumatic, if you will.
0: Yeah. I mean – being apart doesn't really work very well for trying to conceive a child.
1: (laughs) No, no, it doesn't. (laughs) And ovulation, as you know, is a very small window of time that is not necessarily perfectly predictable. So yeah, it was interesting, like, you know, finding weekends that just it always had to be on a weekend because we were both working full time, you know.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. How many
1: times in five months can you perfectly time an ovulation on a weekend.
0: I don't know. Yeah. Not often. It kind of, (laughs) that is just, it's so wild to me. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. That was, that was our first attempt. Um, or that was our, our introduction anyway, to conception. So how much longer after that pregnancy did you get pregnant again?
1: Um, Well, our physician at the time um, had told us to wait at least three months. And the reason for that is does come down to like physiology of the body and like healing of the tissue. So when you get pregnant, like the egg implants into your uterine wall and there's all this stuff that happens to like um, the uterus – And then when you have a miscarriage, it's essentially very similar to having a baby, like the uterine wall and the inside of your uterus does have to heal um, and take time to heal from that. So they had suggested like, don't try conceiving for three months. And then as well, there's like sort of that emotional component of like, you need time to grieve this like loss and like, work through, you know, relational things and like help each other mm-hmm. um, in, in an emotional way. And so, of course, my like um, physical therapy, pelvic floor physical therapist, like mind kind of went crazy. And I was like, no, I don't want to wait three months. Like, <laughs> I want to do this now. And so, I did a lot of research um, on all of that stuff. And And it is true what the doctor said to me um, and suggested and all of that. But at the same time, I did look, we miscarried early um, and our miscarriage happened at like six weeks. And so I specifically looked for information on like the earlier miscarriages compared to miscarriages that maybe happen when the placenta has been like fully developed and all of that stuff so right, right. anyway um I, we ended up tra- like trying to conceive earlier than the three-month mark and that's when we actually did get pregnant with our second, because I think my fertility
0: and everything was a little bit more boosted, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Don't they say that like right after a miscarriage or right after even birth, you can be like super fertile.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of took that risk and, um, my husband is not medically minded. Like he's, he lives in the world of sports. And so, um, you know, he was like, whatever you feel comfortable with and safe with. I mean, you did all the research and everything. And so, yeah, yeah, we actually um, got pregnant the very next cycle. Mm. So how did that pregnancy go for you? Um, Well, physically, it went very well. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say really the main like the main things that I struggled with during that pregnancy was like the emotional pieces and the anxiety. Um, So physically, I just had like, you know, the typical sort of hormonal issues in the first 12 weeks, like morning sickness and nausea and like just Mm -hmm. feeling like I constantly needed to eat um, or was like dizzy or lightheaded and things like that. My second trimester and third trimester were really wonderful. I was um, able to like stay active and my job is very physical too, just working with patients. And so I never really had any problems or complaints or anything like that. Um, No, I had pelvic pain once and that was because I accidentally did something athletic (laughs) Um, at work that I wasn't really prepared for. Um, It was sort of more of a reaction thing. And I was like, oh gosh. And I had pelvic, like pubic bone pain pretty severely for like two days. Mm. Um, But I, you know, really was pleased with my pregnancy throughout as far as like physical. So for me, the first, our first child was a lot more of an emotional toll on me because I was always literally down to the day he was born. I was like worried that we would miscarry or something bad would happen, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. I feel like that's very valid to have those feelings after having a miscarriage too. And even as somebody who's only had one child like myself and I've never experienced a miscarriage, like I was still anxious the entire time. So it's very valid. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
1: And it's Really, what I think was, like, so interesting is that, like, no matter how much logic you try to talk into yourself, like, yeah. <laughs> it
0: doesn't take it away. <laughs> right, and no matter how many people say, like, you're fine, you're in the clear, it's like, you get to, like, 30-something weeks, and you're like, but what if I have a stillborn? Like, every time, you know, it's just, that's yeah. just how it is. You just, yeah, you I, um... oh, go ahead, sorry. You love them so much, just from even the moment that you conceive yes yes and
1: like you just really kind of take that like that maternal nurturing protective mode it's like my body is protecting this baby and my body is like nourishing this baby and like you just want to do everything that you can for them and i really kind of got stuck in that like um some of the things i did to try to just help myself was like I bought the at home like Doppler unit. Oh, so I could listen yep. to the heartbeat. I really didn't tell anybody publicly that we were pregnant for like 14 weeks. I don't know why, but 14 weeks was like the number that got embedded in my head. Like I was like, not at twelve weeks. Like we're not doing it then. I don't feel <laughs> ready. And so it was more like 14 weeks and Um, Yeah, my husband, although he, like, understood what I was going through and stuff, like, he really – no amount of, like, trying to talk sweet to me or, like, build me up um, really didn't help. I was still super anxious about, like, bad things happening.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I bought the Doppler too. (laughs) (laughs) Same way, same way. Mm -hmm. I did
1: did make myself a, like – a rule I could only check once a week like no, it, it was a rule that it. I stuck because I didn't really want to spiral downward anymore like and get yeah. mentally like in a bad place so
0: yeah I did the exact same thing that was my mental rule too and like even when I use it on friends and stuff I just always am like if we don't hear it, it's not because you don't have a baby, it's just cuz we don't know what we're doing, so don't get anxious <laughs> about it. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh gosh. And that
1: was like, you know, the amount of error that could possibly be in just the Doppler itself, like probably not a smart thing for me to buy and use, but I figured it out. I'm sure you figure you figured
0: it oh, out yeah. as well too oh, yeah. and like eventually it became very easy Lots to of use YouTube, yeah. YouTube videos. Um, so kind of like gearing up for this birth, did you do any like prep or courses or anything?
1: Yes, I did. Um, so this was like early in my pelvic floor physical therapy career too. So like I had, you know, I have all this fresh, like brand new pelvic floor physical therapy knowledge in my head. Um, and then, um, just like my, I guess my like desire to learn and like go kind of deep dive into certain topics and things like that. I ended up buying like the Ina May's Guide Mm -hmm. to Childbirth book. And I can't say I read the whole thing, but I definitely skimmed it and read specific chapters and things like that. And it was really useful for me. And then um, we took a six-week in-person childbirth like prep class with Mm -hmm. um a couple of doulas in our area so we would meet for like two hours every week for six weeks we started in like I think week 28 or 30 very you know closer to third trimester and um yeah it was really wonderful we each week was like sort of a different thing and we went we went through it all and we had like homework and activities and it was very interactive. And, um, yeah, I just, I think it was a really positive experience for us because, um, it was longer, more hours together, um, mm-hmm. than like the typical hospital class. Um, and then we were really able to go through, cause my goal was to, um, you know, labor at home and, Go to the hospital just for the for the last stage of um, birth and do it without medications and without interventions and like um, so I really just wanted the like what the doulas helped teach me were like all the ways of easing pain and managing discomfort and like working through contractions and then we basically went through so many different scenarios of like um, here's your alternative options for this, that, and the other. And so like, I just felt really prepared and my husband felt really prepared. Like I said, he's not medically minded. So like <laughs> he, he was able to like, sort of, um, educate himself and like be able to like support sort of my wishes and wants a little bit better. And then that's also, we ended up hiring our doula through mm-hmm. that. And so she had already known us and then, um, we were able to develop this really nice relationship over those six weeks. And then she started meeting with us privately, um, as our like personal doula. And so, yeah, that's kind of how we prepared for it.
0: Wow. That's like a very, uh, in-depth class if you're doing like hours of it every week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) It was fun though. I mean, like there was some really cool parts. Maybe not everybody would enjoy this as much as I did, but, um, Oh my you know, we I talked a lot about, like, the, the medical terminologies and then the different medicines and the different things, like, stripping the membranes and what is that and why, why would you do it and the alternatives and mm-hmm. what is it to, like, what is it like to go, like overdue and what, you know, induction, what is induction and like really a lot, like allowing a lot of deep conversations around that stuff. And, you know, then we, we did get into like the physical movements and postures and just like different things for Mm -hmm. uh, relieving discomfort and working through breathing. We even did like a, I think they called it a fear uh, fear-burning session. So we wrote our fears down on papers and then we ball- balled it all up and then we lit it on fire.
0: <laughs> <sighs>
1: I mean, you got to get it out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was kind of fun. I mean, for me especially too, because I did have like, my anxieties were not like, not really, I, I don't know. Tip, Like a lot of people have fear about, you know, um, am I going to have a c-section or things like that mine were like so much darker than that um and so it was good for me
0: yeah um so let's kind of jump into maybe like the last couple days of um pregnancy I can't can't think Uh, (laughs) and maybe just kind of skim over this birth and then we can jump into your next one yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I would say like my, my last couple days of pregnancy were just like really normal um, as far as like what I felt and how it all was going down. Um, I went to work and did all the regular things. And then it was like one night, I think it was like a Thursday going into a Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night with like a menstrual cramp feeling. And so I just told my husband, I think it was like one or two o'clock in the morning. I was like, okay, I think I have a, like a, a little something going on. And he's like, okay. And so I, I like messaged my boss and let him know and my supervisor at work and that kind of stuff. And I, they, everybody's like, okay, well, it's probably just like false labor and, you know, it's just nothing, whatever. So I still like went back to bed. I slept, went to work that day. Um, Luckily, or at least what was nice was that my work was preparing for me to have a baby and leave. So I had decreased my caseload like quite a bit. I think the day I went into labor, I only had like three clients on my schedule. And so I just labored at work all day, like in a typical physical therapy clinic, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you have private treatment rooms. So I would like treat a patient and then I'd go and, like, rest and lay down in a private treatment room and, like, <laughs> let the contractions, like, do their thing. And then I'd go treat a patient and then I'd have some more time to rest and whatever. So I worked, um, but not, like, not a very strenuous workday, but I worked mm-hmm. through most of my – or that whole entire work day. I think by the time I left work, my contractions were, like, still sitting at, like, eight minutes apart, Mm -hmm. Um, so I went home after work and my husband is works in athletics. So he was actually gone for the evening. So we didn't cross paths. He wasn't home. He was working like a, a basketball game or a gymnastics meet (laughs) or something. And, um, I labored at home with our dog in our bed and I just like I would get a contraction and I'd roll over and I'd get another contraction and I roll over. And my dog was like my labor partner. <laughs> he would like <laughs> lay against my back and just kind of comfort me. Um and I did, you know, I was spent I was texting my doula like the whole day and just letting her know what was happening. My husband knew as well and he ended up coming home like relatively late in the evening maybe like 9 30 or 10 o'clock at night and we just like continue the process but I will say like what was super helpful about the doula was that I mean I had been laboring by this point like my first sign of labor was like 1 Mm a.m in the morning and we're going like into the evening so it's like 10 o'clock at night and like I feel like I'm just been like laboring all day and I'm like these are still eight minutes apart. How come they're not getting any closer? Like, why am I doing with this every eight minutes for like what feels like, you know, forever? <laughs> and so like we kept messaging our doula and then John called her at one point and she just kept asking, like, repeatedly, like, have you had your bloody show yet? Have you like had your bloody show yet and i was just like she keeps asking if i've had my bloody show i really have not and i need this to move along like i was getting very frustrated because i'm like i know how this works i've studied it like it's just like feels like the stage is going on forever so i think it was like two o'clock in the morning the very the next day or the next night whatever that we just said, like, hey, we're ready for you to come to the house and help us through this because Ashley's not like making any progress. Like, it's still like mm-hmm. eight minutes apart. <laughs> These contractions yeah. are wearing us down. Um, and so our doula came over, and she still is asking, like, have you had your bloody show yet? I'm like, no, we have not. Um, so she was suggest she she made two suggestions because i had been laboring in the bed, like on my hands and knees and on my side and different things like that. She was like, let's either go for a walk or get you in the bathtub. And I already knew like standing up and walking felt absolutely terrible. It was very uncomfortable for me. It gave me a lot of back pain like during labor to be upright. So I voted for the bathtub and we went into the bathtub and I think I spent an hour in the bathtub. And we just kept refilling it and like adding more hot water because it was like cooling off. <laughs> and no joke, like the second I got out of the bathtub, I vomited, mm. I pooped, and I had my bloody show. And it was like, the race is on. Like, <laughs> this is happening now. We have to go to the hospital.
0: Like, it just happened really fast after that bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> So a little preface into your next birth, you know what that means. (laughs) Yes, yes.
1: And It it was really crazy because I had felt so good in the bathtub, like relaxed. The contractions were like, I think I had two contractions in the whole hour. Like I got such a great break. Mm. and um I was just like really enjoying it so when I stood up and got out of the bathtub for me to have like vomiting and pooping and like all this (laughs) stuff happen, I was like what in the world this is so gross and like embarrassing and everybody you know my husband and the doula was like witnessing it and I'm like whoa (laughs) this is crazy
0: (laughs) how far away is was your hospital from your house at the time
1: um, it was probably like 10 minutes. Oh, um, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We lived like right off the interstate and the hospital was right off of the interstate as well, too. Um, and we transferred to the hospital like really early morning. I think it was like five, six o'clock
0: at, in the morning kind of a thing. So like traffic was pretty light and stuff. Mm-hmm. So how much longer after you got there did it take? For you to get kind of in the final stages?
1: Um, so it was I think we were at the hospital like two hours. Um, it was like an hour of sort of getting settled in, um, you know, sort of like just like the intake stuff where it's like, you gotta get from the car to the room, you Mm -hmm. ought to say hello to your nurses and like meet your staff. And then, um, pretty quickly after that, I was pushing and, but it was an hour of pushing. So our, Mm -hmm. our son was born at like seven forty something in the morning. Like, so it was a 31 hours from first sign of labor to birth. Uh,
0: that's so long. (laughs) It was long. (laughs) Yeah, it was long. (laughs) So how who did you have for your care team at this birth?
1: Um, so I really was interested in having having a midwife and the University of Iowa is where we delivered and they had like two branches of their like perinatal um, mm-hmm. team. So you could get an OBGYN or you could you could like go with the midwifery team so I chose a midwife group and what's weird about that is like they still like even the midwives say like you need to meet every midwife and like one of them will be present at your birth but I was like so set on like this one midwife her name was Lestacia and she had all this like experience with um like higher risk pregnancies and stuff. And I was just like, I'm going to get every appointment with Listasia and just pray that she's there. And that's what happened. Like I saw Listasia every single appointment. I think I only met one other midwife the whole time, but Listasia was there like, and our son was born at like 746. And she was her lat like her, her shift ended at eight o'clock in the
0: morning. <laughs> you just manifested it. It was meant to be, yeah, yeah. Um, So how did your uh, postpartum and breastfeeding go with your first pregnancy?
1: Um, So it was really great, like, um, because we went with the midwives and we – you know, we showed up with our birth plan, literally printed on a piece of paper, and we're like, this is what we want. We got a lot. We were able to have some really beautiful things like delayed cord clamping, immediate skin to skin contact. And my doula was there to help like initiate the breastfeeding aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say, it was definitely not easy. Like that first hour of life was really beautiful and everything. But like, then you transition to like the mother baby unit. And I, what they told us was like, it was like the weekend of birth. So like our um, the hospital unit was, like, just full of, like, newborn babies and everybody having babies. And so we, like, requested a lot of lactation assistance, but we didn't really get a lot because they had so many people in the hospital. And so they were like, well, you had this kind of birth and your baby's doing great. So we're going to send you home early. And so we were really only at the hospital for like 24 hours and they discharged us. And I had asked so many questions and was like, am I doing this right? Or what kind of, you know, that kind of thing. And I didn't feel like I got very much, um, guidance. So essentially when we got home, I was doing what I knew to do or how to do it the best I could. But when we went back to our, like, um, for a weigh in check with our son, like the day, the next day or two days later, I can't even remember. They were like, Oh my gosh, your son is like losing way too much weight. And you're, you know, you need to start supplementing and that kind of thing. And so that was when breastfeeding just became my next like anxiety, (laughs) if you will, (laughs) like, so, yeah, we ended up having a lot of challenges with breastfeeding um, and pain, like pain with breastfeeding for me and him not gaining enough weight. And so it just became like this really stressful, anxiety thing. I don't know. It's a very long story, but I'll mm-hmm. try to shorten it. It's just that our doctors were pressing us to supplement. Um, and I was really not wanting to, but I was feeling like, um, I was maybe going to be judged for not. And so we did like start supplementing our son. Um, but I also took like extreme measures to make sure breastfeeding was working. So we had hired, um, like a lactation consultant to come and meet us in the house. And my doula was helping as well too, although like lactation wasn't her expertise. So she kind of always deferred to my lactation consultant. We saw a pediatric dentist who evaluated our son for tongue and lip ties, which were not present. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I did a lot of pumping. I did like the, oh gosh, what's it called? The supplemental nursing system. Oh yeah. Like I had a, our lactation consultant loan me her scale so I could like just, um, alleviate some anxieties and stuff by weighing him a little more frequently and just things like that. I didn't go to a lot of like, um, baby cafes or like group support stuff, but I had like my little team of people. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> But it involved a lot of pumping, a lot of pumping and um, supplementing some. I think he was getting like one bottle a day for supplementation. Um, And yeah, it was absolutely miserable. I did it for, I pumped every two hours for 10 weeks and I went back to work at 12 weeks. So you can imagine what that's like when you're awake every two hours in the middle of the night pumping and feeding your baby and you're stressed to all ends and trying to like mentally prepare yourself to go back to
0: work. I was a hot mess. (laughs) Yeah, I think that we've briefly talked about that a little bit, um, last year, but how long or did it get better for you or like, how long did you go with him? I forget. Yeah. I mean, it did. We still, I feel like we supplemented
1: with him one bottle a day pretty much forever, Mm -hmm. but we breastfed until 18 or 19. No, wait, let me say that again. 22 months.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. so, so he
1: was coming up on his second birthday. Mm-hmm. And really the only reason I think we stopped was because I was pregnant again. And it was to this point where like my body was like, you're going to stop producing enough milk for him. Yeah. <laughs> and you're gonna, like you're going to worry about the baby in your womb. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. So maybe let's kind of jump to um, your next pregnancy and how that happened and how that all went down yeah
1: um so okay well the best way to describe it was like whatever I had done for breastfeeding affected my hormones like quite a bit because I did not get my period back um until like 18 months my son was 18 months um and so you know he's a a year and a half old. And we're like, we have this really great schedule of like morning and night feeds or whatever. And I was like working again. And then I got my period and my husband and I were like, okay, well, what do we want to do? And it was like, well, let's just, you know, let's, let's start trying again. And it was a lot less stressful and it was just more kind of casual. Like, yeah, let's do this. We'll go ahead and do it. My sister who had used Um, had to have fertility treatments. Um, she did oh gosh, what's inter interuterine injection for her second daughter. So she had a bunch of like um ovulation test kits. And so she had just given them to me and I had them in my cupboard in the bathroom. So I was like, okay, I got my period at like 18 months postpartum and my husband and I were like, okay, we'll start trying and I'll start, you know, I assumed like I'll track my period and we'll track ovulation. We did not use like the apps and the symptom like Mm
0: -hmm. checklist
1: and things like that. But I like just used the ovulation test kits on my next cycle and we um, got pregnant right away. Yeah. So it was a lot less stressful um for us anyway and for me and it was kind of like fun, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like that was the fun one. <laughs> Yeah. You guys were living together at this point. So that probably Oh happened. yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> we had to travel eight hours to see each other. Yes.
1: Actually, so to go rewind a little bit, we when we did get pregnant with our son was like
0: we were we were in the same household by that time. Oh good. There you go. <laughs> and so at this point, were you still in Iowa? Yep. Yep. We were in Iowa. Um, and it was like
1: April. So this all kind of aligns with uh, like a lot of other life events, like you, like moving to North Dakota and everything. That's how we, you and I met. So
0: yeah, I can't remember when you moved here, but, um, so when you got pregnant with Amelia, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, did you know, like what kind of like birth? team you wanted to do or like what changes you would have made from your first birth
1: honestly I felt very blessed with the birth that we did have Mm -hmm. um because a lot of the things that I you know wished for that was on my birth preferences like did did happen um so really the only thing that I wanted was like to do that again. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe to have it be a shorter labor. (laughs) Um, and at the time we got pregnant, of course, we didn't know we were going to be moving to Fargo, but, um, we got pregnant in April and it was like May or June. My husband got a new job at North Dakota state. So he left right away and was like in Fargo, By like July, I think. And my son and I decided, like, oh, I'm going to stay here in Iowa and like see all our, like, our same midwives and our same birth team and all of that stuff. And I'm going to keep working at my job for like six more months because I did not want to try to get a job in Fargo, North Dakota and be like, oh, and by the way, I'm pregnant right now. (laughs) Like, right. (laughs) So could you hire me knowing that I'm going to like give birth soon and then you're going to have to give me like maternity leave? So, It was just like a very interesting thing, plus my job. I really enjoyed my job, and I was mentoring another pelvic floor therapist at the time. So it was like I didn't want to leave that mentoring relationship quite yet. So another separation where my husband was in Fargo, um, and I stayed in Iowa with our son. Yeah. (laughs) I was pregnant for six months. So like from July to December, I was by myself pregnant –
0: raising our one and a half year old. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That sounds so hard. Like I'm thinking about it right now. Like if I was pregnant right now and I was by myself, I would die.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was so thankful I had like another nice pregnancy. Um, I did go through like that first trimester of like nausea and exhaustion, like over fatigue where Mm -hmm. I was like, I would pick him up from – from daycare and like come home and like lay on the couch and just like watch him play on the floor. I was like, I literally have no physical energy to get up right now. Um, But that like really resolved around the twelve week mark, and so I felt good. Um, really kind of just working and taking care of him like physically, I it was feeling good. Emotionally, I was feeling good, but it was stressful for sure. I mean, like because I had to adjust a lot about work. Um, I didn't have somebody to like drop off and pick up, you know right. like, you aren't sharing the parental duties. And so it did become stressful, but toward the end of my time in Iowa, we scaled back my hours a lot and I was only working like three three days a week if I remember right. I can't even remember so much details, <laughs> But good. Um, and I had started driving like I think my last three, or four appointments were with the midwifery group in Fargo. So mm-hmm. I had like eventually transitioned my care to the midwives in Fargo. And, um, but yeah, that was like really interesting because I really enjoyed my birth in Iowa and like to give birth in Iowa would have been nice, but you know, you're like, you, you don't have a house there anymore. It's so like,
0: you can't take the newborn to like Home. <laughs> right. So, you did end up moving to Fargo mid pregnancy? Um, like late
1: pregnancy. Later. So, uh, yeah, yep. In De- I, we moved there on December 31st and our daughter was born on January 17th. Okay. So, very, very
0: late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it also would be so hard, I feel like, to go into labor by yourself. You know, like if your husband was in Fargo and you were in Iowa and you go into labor and you're by yourself, that would be so hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, like Iowa is where my sisters are. And like, I have like really great support system there. Um, But you're for sure. I mean, like my husband, no way would he have wanted to have missed our daughter's birth. So yeah, I think we, me and her would have been fine, but like for him to have would miss it. Like that would just be heartbreaking for him. So that was like, as far as the stressors of things with that birth, my anxiety around when she was going to be born and all of that was the highest. It was like, because we moved on December 31st and the football team had their national championship game on like (laughs) the 11th (laughs) and I was 38 weeks weeks pregnant. And I'm like, do I go to Frisco, Texas with the football team or do I stay back? And like every one of the football wives was like, you are coming. And if you have a baby in Frisco, what a cool story. (laughs) And even my midwife was like, absolutely. You can travel. And I was like, nobody is telling me not to travel. (laughs) Nobody is telling me to stay home. And like what I had really wanted was like, oh, my doctor said I have to stay home. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yeah, I like bought um, compression socks for the airplane and I took a trip to Frisco, Texas at 38 weeks pregnant. So I had a ton of anxiety about having, giving birth in Texas at a random (laughs) hospital um, or like ruining my husband's work trip, if you will, like, you know, yeah. what's going to happen if like they have a football game and I'm in the hospital having like giving birth, like he's going to miss his game. So I had a ton of anxiety about that. And then what's crazy too, is that I ended up instead of flying back home with my husband and our son, um, I flew home with my son and my husband flew to Nashville and had a, like a conference for another three days. So I'm like 38 and some days pregnant and still my husband and I are like in separate states. <laughs> um, You're so yeah, it was wild. The t- Like I had so much anxiety. I was like, I think my anxiety held my daughter like inside of me and like refused to let labor
0: start. <laughs> so mentally, besides like the timing anxiety, was this pregnancy mentally... A little bit better than with your first for sure yeah I did not honestly it's weird because
1: you would think that if you had anxiety about stuff with previous pregnancies and this other things that have happened to you before you would think that they would make you know just continue Mm -hmm. but I really didn't I think I was just busy like taking care of our son and like working and you know, all these things that I did not have near the anxiety. I was so much more relaxed. And I even like did things that you're not
0: supposed to do. Like I drank coffee
1: <laughs> um, and like,
0: I ate sushi when I was pregnant. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, so like my first pregnancy, you wouldn't have caught me doing anything like, you know, no sushi, no coffee. I didn't even like have lunch meat, you know, like none of (laughs) that stuff. But during my second pregnancy, you know, I wasn't I was way more relaxed and I did have coffee and I, you know, I think that where you're just like you're just you there are obvious signs of like you're a little bit you know, you're feeling a little better about it.
0: Yeah. And you're preoccupied with your toddler. That's probably trying to jump off the stairs and kill themselves. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's kind of take us into this birth. Cause I think it's kind of a fun one. If you want to just go ahead. <laughs> yeah. It was a wild,
1: wild birth. Um, Because, like I had said, um, my husband and I were living apart until, like, late December, and she was born the second week of January. In between that, we traveled to Frisco for a football game. My husband went on a work trip immediately after, and I was, like, still sort of unpacking our house because my husband – didn't really do a complete unpacking when he was there. Then I brought like stuff of mine and our sons. And so I was like nesting and traveling and like waiting for him to get back, whatever. My parents came to help and that was really nice. But like literally John got home um, from his work trip, like got settled in and not even kidding you, like our the labor like basically started. <laughs> Your body was like,
0: oh finally. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. I was like, okay, all things are in place. Let's go. <laughs> my body just like finally had this letdown, if you will, of like <laughs> it's okay now. You don't have to stay inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, my husband got home from his work trip we were all comfortable in our beds. My husband and I were intimate and then it was like, oh, I'm, my water must be broke. And our water didn't break like that in our first pregnancy where like, you know, you have the little wetness feeling and the trickling mm-hmm. and all that. Like our first birth, my water exploded in the hospital and like oh. spewed <laughs> out everywhere. And, like it was kind of part of pushing like, um, that's when it broke. So this was like a new experience for me where I was like laying in bed. I'm like, I think I'm wet. Like, so I must be, this must be the first sign of labor. Mm-hmm. And we did hire a doula up there as well too in Fargo. So I was just like, okay, John, like first sign of labor. And I I still wasn't fully packed with my bags and, and whatnot. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, I'm gonna just get up. I'm gonna make a little sandwich. I'm gonna take a shower, shave my legs, finish packing my bag, <laughs> and like things will be good. And so we te- like our doula had specifically requested like text me when you start to feel like you know your first sign of labor. And John's like you need to text Audra. And I was like, well, I don't think it's necessary. Like my water broke. That's it. <laughs> like, and he's like, well, I'm you know I think you should text her. So I text Audra at like yeah, 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And, um, I never ate anything. I never got to take the shower and shave my legs. And I did not get to finish packing my bag because our daughter basically decided she was going to like come right then. Um, so from like feeling a trickle of water it was like immediately very strong contractions and um they were like on top of one another and it was like holy cow i went to the bathroom thinking i had to pee and again i like had my bloody show and i pooped and i did all these things (laughs) and i was like oh my gosh like this baby is coming right now and i was like john I can feel her head, and he's like, oh, my gosh. So we, like, we drew a bath again, too, because I thought maybe the bath will, like, slow things down and let me relax and get comfortable, because, I mean, the contractions were, like, on top of each other. So we called Audra to tell her like what's happening. And she's like, you need to hang up and call 911. (laughs) Your baby is coming right now. (laughs) And um, So, yeah, that's what we did. We called 911. And like while the uh, 911 operator was talking to us, like our daughter was born in the bathtub.
0: (laughs) So how long from like your very first sign of labor to being born in the bathtub was that?
1: Um, she like I wanna say my first sign of labor was like around eleven o'clock and she was born at like one something. That it is it was like a couple hours. That is wild.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the dream though.
1: <laughs> it well, yeah. So what's crazy about that is like, you know, people were saying, Okay, the first labor is usually pretty long, the second labor is like usually about half of the first labor, and then your third is like unpredictable. Who knows? It could be long. It could be short. It could be whatever. So I, in my head had said, okay, this will be about half the time it took to deliver Nile. So it's going to be around, you know, like 15, 16 hours. Mm -hmm. And I was like set for that. I was thinking it was going to be a long, like (laughs) a decently long labor. Well, It ended up being just a couple of hours and like literally no time. I mean, because even if I had wanted to pack my bag or get to the hospital, like the contractions were like so on top of each other that like I didn't make it in that two hour time frame. I literally was in my bedroom and then in the bathroom and I never went anywhere else. Like I physically couldn't
0: have gone anywhere else. I don't think like you would have probably either had a car baby or uh, like emergency room Like waiting room, baby. <laughs> yeah, it would have been that because it was a the first night of
1: a blizzard in North Dakota. So like our doula never even made it to us because of the conditions of the road.
0: Mm. Like She met us at the hospital later. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah. What did you do afterwards? Like once you had her, what did you do? Um, So she was born
1: in the bathtub um, and the EMS still wasn't there yet, but like she was born and they were there within like a minute, I swear. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I just like, I told my husband to get some towels and we wrapped her up and we like, I just held her on my chest and we talked to her. And like, then as the EMS came, they just like, You know, they do their assessments to make sure everybody's okay and like nothing is like life threatening. Of course, we were doing really well. um, Mm -hmm. So they didn't like rush anything. Um, We still were able to have like delayed cord clamping, all the, you know, and we, I delivered the placenta in the bathtub and like the EMS, like bagged it up and took it to the hospital with us in the ambulance. And um, it was, really nice other than like uh just the hustle and bustle of things like i did get to spend time with our daughter in the bathtub but i didn't get to breastfeed her right away Mm -hmm. and then they have a rule like a rule in north dakota that the mother and the baby are considered two different patients and so they have to be transported separately So our daughter was like put in a little car seat and went to the hospital with my husband. And then I was put in a different ambulance and taken to the hospital in a different ambulance. So we were separated for a little while, Mm
0: -hmm. like sort of as
1: long the length of time it took to get to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, when I got like into my hospital room, my daughter was already there. She was getting evaluated and weighed and all of that stuff. And then, um, they did a quick check of me with the, um, OBGYN on staff. And then, then we were like reunited again and we got to, you know, spend time together and breastfeed and do all of that. So really like, it was a nice birth, but also there was some parts I'm like, I wish I could have like held her longer, you know, Mm -hmm. or started the breastfeeding like right there in the bathtub, which those are the kind of things like you would get to do if you had a home birth that was planned.
0: Right. Right. (laughs) That was my like next question was, would you ever like consider doing one or are you um, because you're just kind of like medically background, would you just feel more comfortable being in a hospital? I don't
1: know. I think that's hard to say because we actually joked about it like when we were pregnant and we were like, do like going to the midwives in Fargo. And I was just like, I had a couple like hesitations. I was like, oh, are they going to really honor like my birth preferences? Like, because the midwife group at the hospital there was still kind of like a new thing. It wasn't like well-established, like the University of Iowa, where I came from where my first birth was, or it's like, very normal and acceptable to have midwives and the OBGYNs and the midwives like really collaborated and worked well together. It was sort of just new mm-hmm. up in Fargo and it wasn't like that really great collaborative relationship quite yet. So I had some several hesitations about it. And my husband's like, well why don't we just like have a home birth because then you can kind of feel more comfortable about it and it's cheaper. And <laughs> like we just kind of like joked about it. And there is um, there is a midwife in Fargo that does home births. Mm-hmm. And so it was an option, but we just, I mean, the busyness of life and whatever, and I didn't really research or try to meet the, you know, that person. And so we uh, planned, on, we just planned on having a hospital birth. But um, now thinking about is it, like, okay, if we have a third, I'm going to be 39 this April. So it's like, I don't know. Cause I'll be like an older <laughs> mother. And, um, you know, you just start to like, whatever it was my first pregnancy, the anxieties I had, then my, whatever they were my second pregnancy. Now it's like a whole new, like, set right. of anxieties. Right. <laughs> so I guess it would just like, it would certainly be something that I would be willing to try. I think a home birth would be wonderful if like, yeah, if my body and the baby were, um, were healthy and, you know, it would be something that seems appropriate at the time. So I think it would
0: just be circumstantial,
1: if that makes sense. Yeah. Or whatever.
0: So did you, after you got back to the hospital and you got your baby back, you established breastfeeding, how was your postpartum with her versus your first?
1: Um, So it was like, so much easier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think because of like the, the troubles that we had with breastfeeding my son, I like, I'm like an eternal learner. So it's like, I just want to learn. And so I learned so much about breastfeeding with our son that I felt really prepared for our daughter, whether it was going to be an easy or a difficult breastfeeding journey, I at least felt prepared and I knew like what could be done or how things could progress and like how to establish breastfeeding. But honestly, it just went beautifully. My milk came in. Um, she had a good latch and a good appetite and and, like things just kind of went and like, I didn't really have to pump or struggle or any of that. So it was just a totally different thing. It was more like, we didn't have milk in the fridge and we didn't have, I still bought like a can of formula just to have on hand in case. Hmm. Um, and like was prepared to supplement her, but yeah, it was just, it was just different. I just put her to the boob every time she was hungry <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> How long and, I'm like super thankful for that because yeah, the first time doing it was really hard and to get 18 months, 19 months of breastfeeding was like, a That's like running a marathon, you know, like how hard I worked for that. And then with our daughter, it was like just a different story. She was just, I don't know, my body was ready for it and my body sort of must have remembered and had all like was able to produce the milk and she was able to extract the milk better too, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. And are you still nursing her or are you done? Yeah, I am still
1: nursing her, which is quite an interesting thing as well too, because she just turned three last week and, um, I never would have thought she would still be breastfeeding or wanting to breastfeed, but it's, um, we just breastfeed in the morning right after she wakes up. It's something she asks for every day. And I haven't purposely done any weaning. Like it's just been kind of a natural progression. Like She cut back on her feedings on her own, and this is where we've settled in at, like, morning feeds.
0: Right. Yeah, she seems like she's just, like, really laid back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to eating, she's like, okay, sounds good. (laughs) For sure. Um, How was your, like, physical postpartum recovery with her?
1: Um, I would say also better than with my first, which I think in – some respects is a little bit backwards than like what some others experience. You know, like, um, what I hear a lot of women tell me is like, my first was fine. And then my second was okay. And then my third, it's like, you know, the recoveries are longer or harder Mm -hmm. to overcome with each birth. But I would say my first, because I was in labor for 31 hours and I did an hour of pushing Mm -hmm. I had like 60 minutes of like prolonged stretching to the pelvic floor. So I was really slow to recover with my first, I still had like urinary leakage at like eight months postpartum. Mm -hmm. Um, With my daughter though, she had the precipitous birth. So it was like no pelvic floor stretching. It was like, you know, she shot right out. It was like (laughs) really brief. Um, So my pelvic floor was able to, maintain its strength level and things like that. I mean, it wasn't perfect by any means, but it was just, Mm -hmm. it was in a lot better, um, strength condition with my daughter. So, um, I did not have nearly as much difficulties with urinary control and, um, heaviness in my pelvis and things like that. So I feel like I recovered quite a bit better
0: with her than with my son. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, one question I was going to ask you, kind of rewinding back to still nursing Amelia, just kind of because I don't know like a ton of people who do it like, um, what do they call it when it's like past two? I don't know. Probably. No idea. Uh, whatever. <laughs> but like, what is your or what is like other like reactions from other people I guess it would be my question when you like still tell them that because I think it's like a great thing but I feel like our society as a whole is like one year you're done you know what I mean yeah yeah I will I mean
1: if I'm being honest, she's three. And so people don't ask because they assume she's weaned already. <laughs> so I don't have to tell anybody because <laughs> nobody asks. And she's not three years old and asking to nurse in public or, right, um, right. you know, it's like not it's not a huge thing where it's like, OK, if you spend two nights away from mommy, like, what is she going to freak out? No, she's pretty like she can be separated from me overnight and she's still like, fine. Um, I don't pump or like leave her milk or anything like that. So it's just like, it's definitely not a topic of conversation. I think the only, I think the only people who know she's still breastfeeding is my husband and I, and like, you know, my parents (laughs) in this podcast
0: now apparently (laughs) yeah
1: yeah um so yeah it's just because we don't do it in public anymore it's literally a morning only thing it's like right after she wakes up and um so it's just a thing that nobody really asks about or talks about but i i mean i should maybe share about it um on my social media and stuff more but i really haven't so it's
0: such a good thing i mean even just talking about it on here just so people can hear that it can be done and it's okay. (laughs) Um, And it's also so good for the cold and flu season that we're in right now. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Love that. Um,
1: What's funny though is like um, she went through a phase of like breastfeeding for her was like five minutes. She's like, I'm going to feed and I'm up and I'm gone. And like now at three years old, I'm like, here, let's do this in five minutes. And she's like, kind of just wants to chill out and hang out with me. And so it's like 20 minutes. And I'm like, all right, we
0: got to get our morning going. Let's finish up. (laughs) Like, mom, I want to hang out with you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's definitely like a lot. I think it's less about the milk and more about the bonding.
0: Yeah. So, um, uh kind of going full circle around with everything. I want to have you maybe kind of share um maybe how you got into like women's and pelvic floor therapy and how you like why you think it's important for everybody to do it cuz I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay. So, well, the reason why I got into it was, is different than what it has evolved into. I will say that like, um, when I wanted, so when pelvic floor PT got on my radar, I was a physical therapist at a university working in the athletic training room with athletes. I saw male athletes and female athletes both, but I had a lot of female athletes with like coccyx or tailbone pain and SI joint pain and, um, low, like chronic low back and hip stuff and like different things like that. And then I had a lot of male athletes with like groin issues and Mm -hmm. like abdominal muscle tears and things like that. So I was like, if I want to be the best sports physical therapist, then I need to learn more about pelvic floors because the pelvis and like the core connection is just so important in everybody's body. And like, there would be all these times when I was like, I just don't know what to do here um, because I'm lacking some knowledge. So that was really my real, like my initial reason for Mm -hmm. doing it was like, I need to, if I want to be a better PT for my athletes, I need to know the whole body better. Like I just, that was one part of the body where they kind of breeze over in school. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, this is how I'm going to be a better therapist. I'm going to learn about the whole body. I'm not going to have this blank spot where I just don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. And, but it timed really perfectly with getting married and, um, our own conception, pregnancy, postpartum journey. So I think I got my pelvic floor certification in the spring, right before my husband and I got married. And then of course we started trying to have kids and then I did get pregnant and I had, you know, a childbirth and this and that and the other and whatever. So now, I mean, and I'm still in my own head, I'm still an athlete. (laughs) Um, I played volleyball for in college and like, I had a little period of time after, after um, like competitive sports where I was like, I don't know who – am I a runner? Am I a yoga person? Am I <laughs> this or that? But like ultimately I've always been like I love to move my body and feel strong and be athletic and that kind of stuff. And so now I'm, you know, just morphed along in my journey with my own body of like women in all stages of life, whether you're a, like a teenager –
0: Mm-hmm.
1: or a college athlete, or a student, or you're a married person wanting to conceive, and then you're having children and whatever. And then, you know, menopause is like 10 years away. So it's like, <laughs> I just really feel like um, it was important for me to be able to help females, female athletes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even men, like so many men have pelvic disorders or – um. Things like that that just like not very many like not many therapists are able to help them because they that is a blank spot for them so mm-hmm. yeah it's just kind of interesting but like of course um, I really have sort of found a area that I am interested in is helping people in pregnancy and postpartum and like navigating that while staying physically active and not having a lot of symptoms or Um, doing it comfortably, like being able to exercise through pregnancy. I mean, so many women just don't know what's okay to do, what's not okay to do. How, like, can you work out your core? Can you run? Can you jump? Can you Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you make cutting movements? Can you play volleyball? Like, can you ride a horse? Like all these things, whatever. There's a lot of questions and not, not every doctor knows how to answer those and not every physical therapist knows how to answer those. So I felt really good about my place of being able to help women through that. And then the same thing is like you have birth and then there's all those questions again. It's like, okay, <laughs> when, when can I do what, you know, and how intense can I go and all those things. And, and, and there's a lot of people out there that don't have the answers, but, um, but I do have the ability to help in that way. So it's just been fun. Um, Cause it's, my career has sort of also mimicked my own personal experience too, which is really odd and whatnot. But, um, yeah, so I'm just like super passionate about helping women, um, with all those little transitions and phases of life and, um, you know, making it, making it more clear. So it's not so confusing.
0: Yeah, I'm just listening in awe. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, like, there's just so many phases of, um, like being a woman in general, like, there's so many phases and seasons of life, mm-hmm. and your body changes so much. And all of, I mean, not to say it doesn't happen for a man either. But it's much more drastic, I feel like, for women because they go through all these childbearing phases and, you know, athlete phases and blah, 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 blah. So I knew as soon as I got pregnant, I was like, I need to find somebody to make sure I'm all right down there. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where you came in. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know if I have any other questions, unless you have anything else you want to note on or talk about.
1: No, I mean, I don't think that I would add anything. I just agree with you very much. Like there are so many phases to our lives and our hormones, like female hormones are just very different than male Mm -hmm. hormones. Um, and so it's just important. I think it's just important to learn about your body, um, learn about your menstrual cycle and what it means for you and, and how you can, you know, support your health through by knowing your menstrual cycle. And then, yeah, like you said, like you just go through phases of different things, um, different seasons of life and like to have someone to support you through that, um, is really nice. And so I'm, I'm thankful for my role in that and being able to like go alongside a woman
0: and, and help her through those things. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more plans for your business to change or expand or anything like that? Or what is your, I feel like you're just always a forward thinker. What is your next thing? <laughs> <day? laughs> oh, well, um,
1: it's funny that you brought this up. Cause I was like, I'm not going to mention this at all because it's a very undeveloped, um, undeveloped idea that has been brewing in my head, but I have lots of athletes and women who reach out to me for like one-on-one guidance and coaching and helping them navigate things just like with you, Sophie, and Mm -hmm. um, other, other women who are wanting to do really cool things um, forever and ever and be able to be strong in their seventies and like, you know, just like they're paving the way now in their twenties and thirties and, you know, that kind of thing. And so I just have like all these women who are like, I'm just doing this workout person stuff or this workout person stuff or this workout, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just following like all these little workout things. But I think that would be fun for me is to, um, have like a work a, a workout platform if you will mm-hmm. where there is um m- like modifications for different phases of life like yeah for example if like say there's a hundred p- women who do my workout class or whatever this is all like online right <laughs> um and they are receiving workouts in there on their phones. And it says like, okay, all 100 women are going to try to do this workout. But here's if you're like six to 12 weeks postpartum, this is what you're going to do. Slight adjustments you're going to do. If mm-hmm. you're, you know, three to six months postpartum, this is what you might try to do. Um, mm-hmm. And like have more appropriate um, information and workout adjustments for those phases of life, whether it's pregnancy or postpartum or menopause or whatever, like literally have the platform be female specific
0: and then have it like, so yeah. Cause like, I mean, yeah, it kind of like flows with like, there's a general plan, but like, if you're this type of person, you can do these modifications kind of a thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. So it can hit, you know, anything from like the teen athlete to the master's athlete. And then, you know, you have your other phases of life in there, like pregnancy and postpartum that they're included too. And so then it's like, yeah, I just feel like it might be more comprehensive than just like YouTubing (laughs) postpartum fitness or
0: workouts
1: because then you know it's like I'm a I'm not only like a physical therapist but I'm a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach and so now you have like that pelvic PT and that like female coach combined and so anyone who's like taking on those workouts could literally reach out to me for one-on-one coaching and be like okay well I'm gonna follow the pregnancy Um, second trimester workout today but I had a question about it and like because I'm a coach and a PT I can really and I know that athlete I can or that woman and I can just like tell them exactly what to do and we can make sure that it's perfect for them and I think so many people would have uh, more comfortable pregnancies and um, more positive physical experiences with their postpartum re like Strength journeys and things like that, too. So it would just like eliminate a lot of questions, and they would have like an expert at their hands to just like immediately get feedback. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Like, like you said, like people don't know what they can do and what they can't do. Like, I didn't either. I was like, can I do this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tell me if this is okay. But like, even just like a lot of my friends, like you just don't know what you can do when you're pregnant or postpartum. So having that just like blank just black and white there telling you what you could do that would be great so yeah yeah
1: like I said it's a very undeveloped idea it's just sort of something that has like been in the background of my mind um about developing so I'm not sure if it will ever come into existence (laughs) (laughs) you
0: should do it (laughs) I would follow it. You should do it before I get pregnant next.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really a great motivation thing. So
0: yeah. Yeah. You, you probably, well, I don't know. I don't know when we're going to have kids next, but it's probably not going to be like five years from now. So you're, you're going to need to like, you know, get on it quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay.
1: I've been thinking about it a lot and, um, We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Like, I really just need to know if it's something people would want or value. Um, mm-hmm. Because I know, like, if I'm going to put, if I'm going to create it, I'm going to put like everything into it.
0: <laughs> right. And there's so yeah. much, there's so much like background stuff that people won't and don't really mm-hmm. realize when it comes to things like that. Like, you know, getting the platform and, mm-hmm. um, marketing yourself and making sure that people are like seeing your content so it's getting used and it's just stuff like that is so hard
1: yeah yeah it's you know it's like definitely building from the ground up that's for sure because i only thing that i have in place that is, like, I already have access to, or, like, I already have the programming and the, the workout design, and, like, I already know all the modifications that I would do, so, like, inside my head, um, and I do know the platform that I would use, like, I just don't have, um, I haven't invested in it yet, so. Right,
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: so, but I would need some, you know, uh, what would you call that, early adopters? <laughs> <laughs> some of the
0: OGs like the first people to sign up. Right. Right. Um, well, do you have any like resources you would like to share with anybody listening? Um, well you can, the,
1: your listeners could find me if they were interested in virtual, um, coaching or Mm -hmm. even virtual physical therapy, um, through my website, which is, move wise therapy.com. Um, as well. Uh, my email is Ashley at move therapy and, um, my social media. I am on Facebook and Instagram, um, mostly Instagram at MoveWise therapy as well. So mm-hmm. that's the main things. And, um, I don't have any free resources right now, um, but there will be some downloadable things in the future that I'm working on in the background right now. So, um, you know, maybe check back again and then you could uh, have some more resources available that that way too.
0: Yeah, I will plug your stuff into the bio and I wouldn't say you don't have free resources. You have lots of videos and reels on your Instagram. So those are free resources. <laughs> yeah, yes, you're right, uh, for sure. Yes, you got lots of info on there, but thank you for joining today. It was so good to talk to you again. Yes, thank you, Sophie,
1: for letting me share um, my birth stories and a little bit about my passions in a work sense. So I appreciate you so much. And, um, yeah, I'm just glad that we have stayed connected.
0: Me too. Well, I'm signing off. Okay. Have a great day. <laughs>